millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and today we're going to focus on air power during the First World War. We're looking at David Stevenson's uh, With Our Backs to the Wall, Victory and Defeat in 1918, um, one of the best books uh, in the last sort of decade or so written on the um, First World War. Um, it's particularly good because the first part of the book really focuses on the uh, dramatic events up until November 1918, and the rest of the book looks at, kind of thematically, at um, how the war was won uh, by the Allied powers. And here he focuses on um, air power and its development um, throughout the First World War from a kind of a fringe element uh, of um, the uh, arsenals of uh, combatant powers to really being quite integral uh, by the end of the war, um, including the um, air raids on, on London um, in the latter stages of the war. So David Stevenson writes, Integral to the balance of intelligence advantage was air superiority, uh, which had never been more fiercely contested than in 1918. During the war, aircraft speeds and ceilings had doubled, engine horsepower quadrupled, and bomb payloads grew even more. German aeroplane speeds had risen from 80 to 200 kilometres per hour, uh, and maximum loads from 3.5 to 1,000 kilos. During the development of fighters, or pursuit aircraft, as the Allies called them, hunter aircraft, or Jagdflugzeuge, um, it was the German term, combat had spread into the skies. Aircraft took up roles that they would keep throughout the Second World War and beyond, not just guiding artillery, but also striking ground targets as a form of flying artillery themselves. They operated at sea and in every theatre on land. They also embarked upon strategic bombing. So, by 1916, um, the war had reached um, almost complete deadlock. There was an inability to make uh, breakthroughs. Uh, Germany failed to make a breakthrough at Verdun. Uh, the Allied powers failed to make a breakthrough at the Battle of, of the Somme, um, even though the Somme was part of a kind of a, con- uh, a campaign of what was called kind of concentric battles um, that year, uh, including of course the Carpathian Offensive. Um, it still failed to deliver that knockout blow. The reason for this 
was that basically the central powers and the allied powers are pretty evenly matched in terms of manpower, in terms of ability, in terms of uh, fight, fighting uh, morale. Um, and therefore, it would have to be technology that would fight, that would have to be the device for uh, for breaking through the development of tanks, um, uh, the development of new artillery techniques, um, and also the use of aircraft were um, the product of this deadlock. Uh, war is unfortunately the one of the kind of the the great engines of uh, innovation, and particularly the uh, the First World War. So by 1918, um, strategic bombing existed as a kind of an, an idea with um, both the Germans and the British, uh, and it was discussed um, by the British Air Staff and the, the Air Ministry. If you kind of go back uh, a couple of months in this podcast, uh, I talked about the development of um, bombing um, after the war um, as a kind of a, an air doctrine by uh, the uh, RAF and, and the Air Ministry uh, as a device for uh, holding together the empire. Um, and it was also um, air doctrines by 1939 uh, were unclear. Uh, and at the start of the war, it was um, thought that uh, these kinds of uh, um, ideas about bombing, which had worked well in the Middle East and Africa to uh, you know, be a punish uh, insolent tribes as the likes of Churchill saw it. That um, was a much more difficult thing to uh, uh, apply to Germany and the uh, air doctrine throughout the war, uh, bombing doctrine, uh, developed. Um, so in 1918, the British saw um, for the first time in uh, air doctrine that um, a strategic bombing could mean attacks on the home front. Um, and targeting cities, factories, railways, uh, and the infrastructure of war, rather than the uh, enemy on the front line. Um, the efforts of both sides tended to cancel one another out, and so the idea of attacking uh, the the home front was um, ever more enticing. There had been bomber raids on Paris and London, and these had hardened public opinion against Germany and prompted reprisal raids, which perhaps if the war had continued would have become far, far greater. Perhaps had we seen the war roll over into 1919, 1920, then it would have increasingly become a, a, an air-led war against various home fronts. Um, the dynamic, the escalation dynamic um, which is, you know, the the kind of the the arms race concept, was in evidence during the latter stages of the war, um, and it would it kind of anticipated it predicted um, air war um, later on. Um, but if we rewind a little bit and look at um, the the kind of the politics of um, aerial combat. In 1899, the first Hague Peace Conference had basically outlawed the dropping of projectiles and balloons, uh, but this had only been for a five-year period, and in 1914, the popular press and fiction writers, the likes of John Buchan and uh, Erskine Childers, 
um, had um, seen basically, and uh, this sort of also is kind of the root of a lot of modern science fiction from the period, had seen uh, air attacks uh, on um, Britain's cities. They had predicted these. London's vulnerability caused a, a kind of a panic in, in 1913, which led to the uh, uh, kind of uh, spy hysteria and all sorts of things. When the war began, um, there was little by way of consideration for kind of humanitarian um, considerations. The French bombed Ludwigshaven in 1914, uh, and, the, uh, and then the British continued to raid the border towns of Germany from 1915 to 1916, though neither had actually developed specialised bomber aircraft, so the damage was pretty insignificant. Germany only used uh, Zeppelin airships initially, which could uh, reach London, um, and they were came under the auspices of the German Navy. Wilhelm II, who um, thought that it was quite fine to bomb civilians, but targeting historic buildings and also the palaces of his uh, cousin King George uh, was a, a bit uh, a bit too far. Um, believed that um, perhaps um, the neutral public opinion uh, towards bombing uh, was slightly alarming. It gave a kind of a a clue, really, um, that um, this this might not... that this might prove prove to have... to yield very little for Germany and might result in retaliation... Uh, which would then have an effect on on public morale. Um, for a couple of months after the commencements of Zeppelin raids on the thirty first of May, nineteen fifteen, the British didn't quite know what to do. Um, during nineteen sixteen, they developed the new BE two C aircraft, um, which climbed higher, um, was uh, able to be stable at night and fired um, incendiary rounds, um, Buckingham bullets. Um, these were supported by anti-aircraft guns and searchlights uh, and an improved ground uh, observer system and shot down Zeppelins at such a rate that by September 1916 the raids had ceased. And again, th- this sort of infrastructure developing of uh, observer posts, communications, information passed to airfields, was the kind of the skeleton of the Dowding system that would later emerge and really save Great Britain in 1940. And the raw material shortages in Germany uh, meant that um, the airships gradually had to change. Um, The skin was no longer rubberized and the ribs uh, consisted of wood rather than aluminium. And this started to make them uh, ever more flammable. Um, the danger, which seemed to be over in early 1917, uh, was replaced uh, eventually by four-engine bombers. Um, so the British began to wind down their anti-aircraft, um, prece- uh, their anti-aircraft um, uh, civil defence systems, uh, but they would be put to the test once more. Um, the the Zeppelin raids were the beginnings of, Germ- of, of Germany's bombing over London. German engineers um, designed the Gotha G4 bomber. Um, this had been kind of on the drawing board 
since the uh, since before the start of the war, and the uh, German high command uh, wanted it ready in order to coincide with unrestricted submarine warfare um, against Great Britain. Um, obviously, by 1915, when unrestricted submarine warfare began um, uh, the first time, it, it, they weren't ready. But by 1917, when it resumed, um, they were. Um, the London was 175 miles from the Gotha bomber base in Belgium. Uh, they had a 500-mile range, so that gave them sufficient airtime over the capital uh, before returning home. Unlike the uh, French cities, the uh, London had a key weakness. It could be approached over water where there's no anti-aircraft fire. And also, um, as they did in the Second World War, German bombers followed the line of the Thames, which brought them straight through the, the, the city. Um, the Gothas uh, initially carried a smaller payload than the Zeppelins, but they were faster. Um, they flew at 87 miles an hour, and they were higher they could reach 10,500 feet. They were more heavily armed. They carried three machine guns, and they were harder to shoot down. Um, where the British decrypted the Zeppelin wireless code and always had um, for forewarning of them coming, um, the first daylight raids um, of, of the Gotha bombers were completely unanticipated. They killed 290 people at Folkestone on the 25th of May, and on the 13th of June, they killed and injured 594 people um, when they, 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 bombed, um, the, uh, they bombed London um, and hit uh, London, uh, London's Liverpool Street Station in the East End. And they killed 18 children at an Upper North Street School in the East India Dock Road. On the 7th of July, uh, another raid on London uh, killed 250 more people. Um, the media uproar was uh, immense. There was an outcry, the argument that the Germans were um, uh, terrible savages and kind of leading some sort of war against civilization itself was all over the front pages. Um, the war cabinet uh, returned two fighter squadrons from the Western Front. Um, this was uh, over kind of Haig's insistence that this should not happen. Um, and the uh, a new agency called the London Air Defence Area was created under a major Edward B. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Ashmore, who was an artillery gunner who'd moved back from Flanders. Um, Ashmore also added uh, fighters to the east of London, a barrier, uh, fighters to intercept, uh, and altered the tactics of those fighters so that they attacked the Gothas in large groups rather than singly. Uh, and the same weather that um, was causing British troops havoc in Belgium, um, uh, rain, uh, fog and low cloud, actually helped the British air defences. Um, in the three raids during August, the Gothas actually failed to reach London, and in the last raid they lost three aircraft, one to uh, anti-aircraft fire and two to fighters. Um, so they began to switch to night attacks instead. Uh, initially, it wasn't believed; they wasn't certain that night attacks would work, but they experimented with them. Um, night bomber attacks were the biggest challenge that uh, London faced, uh, and the Gothas were joined by the Reisenflugzeuge uh, or the Giants, um, which had a hundred and thirty-eight foot wingspan, which was uh, to compare the same wingspan as a B-29 Superfortress. They had a maximum height of 19,000 feet. They had nine crew wearing heated flying suits, six machine guns, and a payload of up to two tonnes, including a 1,000-kilogram bomb, which could wreck a housing block. Um, They could take enormous punishment, and none were ever shot down. So during the blitz of the harvest moon between the 24th of September and the 1st of October 1917, the night flyers um, visited London six times. Uh, the British um, saw this as a kind of a, a crisis point. I know that there is a, a book out there um, called The First Blitz, and the argument in that book is that this, this actually brought the British through to, to breaking point. There was a, a, a fear that London could be destroyed. Um, and perhaps if Germany had the resource to the resources at the time to rapidly expand its bomber fleet, um, that might have been possible. Um, the anti-aircraft batteries were nearing exhaustion due to ammunition expenditure and due to the deterioration of the, the barrels when guns are fired, they uh, heat up, they cool down, the barrels aren't always uh, the same afterwards. A hundred... One to three hundred, one hundred to three hundred thousand people took shelter in the underground each evening. Again, an echo of the later Blitz. Uh, and though contemporary estimates actually say it was much higher than that, deteriorating weather, wear and tear on the bombers, and their crews provided relief. So um, the the campaign, the campaigns were initially successful, but. Um, perhaps not quite as sustainable as they needed to be in the long run. Uh, The aircraft obviously have uh, wear and tear issues, even if they're not being hit, and crews become uh, exhausted. So um, they needed to have a a break. During the winter, uh, better searchlights were installed by Ashmore. Barrage balloons were uh, established, and the uh, Sopwith Camel um, was uh, shown to be a very effective night fighter aircraft. Um, so, David Stevenson writes, 
As with the campaign against the U-boats, there was no one spectacular turning point, but gradually the defenders inflicted greater losses and the attackers caused less damage. From October, the British read German wireless messages, and once given more warning, their aircraft destroyed an average of one-tenth of the Gothas each raid. Terrible episodes still took place, such as the bombing of a basement shelter in Longacre on the 28th of January, uh, with over 100 killed and wounded. But in the biggest raid of all, on the 19th of May 1918, 43 aircraft took off, but six were lost in action and seven in accidents. While according to a survey by the medical journal The Lancet, the civilian mood had now improved. From this point, raids on London, though not the provinces, had ended, in part uh, to redirect the bombers to the Western Front. In addition, the campaign was taking uh, a growing toll of aircraft, in total 24 being lost in action and another 37 in accidents. Partly because of raw material shortages, the Gothas were shoddily made and, and their undercarriage was liable to collapse on landing. By 1918, moreover, British fighters could be mobilised faster and Ashmore established an operations control room where observers, uh, where observers' reports were centralised and instructions coordinated in a manner prefiguring the second and more celebrated Battle of Britain. So that's a really important point, that this, in some ways, was the kind of the, 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 the first or the, the kind of the, 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 the lesser uh, Battle of Britain. And this also tells us an interesting story about the development of military technology, uh, about how when it came to establishing an infrastructure for air defence in the late 1930s, that many of the lessons had already been learned. Uh, that Ashmore's uh, efforts in establishing things like an ops room where information could be rapidly shared and aircraft, um, scarce and valuable aircraft, could be rapidly deployed to the places that it was most essential. And that could happen um, in, in real time uh, because, of course, uh, in uh, aerial warfare, speed is the essence. There was a second Gotha campaign over Paris, which began in early 1918, in uh, the 30th to the 31st of July uh, 1918. Um, and leaflets were dropped over the trenches, justifying this on the grounds that the French had refused peace. So it came with a kind of like a, a parallel uh, propaganda initiative to in, in really encourage French soldiers to give up, to mutiny, to s demand peace in the interests of preserving their loved ones uh, at home. By the 15th of September, 14 raids on uh, Paris had occurred and 664 bombs had been dropped. The heaviest of those attacks um, happened in the spring of 1918 on the 11th of March uh, when 70 people were killed um, at, a, at the Bolivar metro station in a kind of a panic stampede. Um, so bombers could always rely on fear on the ground, achieving the outcomes that they were trying to achieve with, uh, within, with, with explosive bombs. In both the case of London and Paris, one of the main objectives was to break civilian morale. During the um, uh, Ludendorff offensive in uh, March, between, um, March 1918, on the 22nd, 
during Operation uh, Michael, which was one of the uh, various stages of the Ludendorff Spring Offensive, uh, the first artillery shells um, landed on Paris, um, one of uh, 370 that were fired between the 23rd of March and the 8th of August 1918. Um, and it was the 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 use of uh, the the Paris gun, one of these vast uh, German um, uh, artillery pieces, that actually did more um, in terms of uh, kind of alarm to Parisians than the Gotha raids. Uh, raids, big pardon. Um, Thirty tons of bombs uh, were dropped on Paris during the period, compared with a hundred tons of bombs uh, on Britain. And the over in the air defence of Paris, fighters had a much smaller air defence role. Uh, this was partly due to the shortage of planes, um, but it's also due to do with the fact that French anti-aircraft gunnery was really quite accurate and effective um, and uh, widespread uh, around the capital. Because, of course, France was only two hours flying time from enemy trenches, um, they had always banked upon the possibility of France being a victim of air raid, and therefore the French were more prepared. Uh, the British, perhaps less so, and slightly more complacent as a result of the the travel, the the the, the English Channel. Only uh, eleven out of thirty Gothas that departed on January the thirtieth arrived, and of the four hundred eighty-three sent. Uh, a total of 13 were shot down um, throughout the entire period, and only 37 got through to the city. So um, the uh, weather conditions, fuel shortages, uh, breakdowns, and all these sorts of things meant that um, Paris, over the uh, period, had far fewer um, problems with bombing than the, uh, than the British did. The total casualties, for example, from air raids were 266 killed in Paris and 603 wounded, while the British casualties were 865 dead and 1,965 wounded uh, and £1.5 million of property destroyed. Um, the uh, comparison that Ashmore made later was that there were 700 lives lost annually uh, on the roads in the 1920s. So it showed you um, a, a kind of a steep spike in uh, civilian deaths. Um, these is obviously kind of fairly insignificant stuff when you compare it to the vast losses uh, on both sides uh, in the Western Front. But in terms of affecting civilian morale uh, and uh, bringing in, uh, in democratic societies civilians closer to wanting to sue for peace, it was considered a worthy uh, gamble by uh, Germany. And the um, thing that the uh, Germans found, as Hitler did during the war, was that it did not um, break civilian morale. In fact, paradoxically, it strengthens it. OK, so we're going to finish there. Thanks very much for listening. I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Uh, do, if you can, swing by our Patreon page. Uh, there's going to be some new content going on there soon uh, for patrons. And um, thanks very much for those who do sponsor the podcast. It's greatly appreciated, uh, and it's how we manage to keep going. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye-bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.